Welcome to Keeping Score. I'm Rick Haro. Each week we bring you insights from the playmakers, dealmakers, and rule makers in the world of sports. I'll give you my take on some of the items of the week using my 30 years of experience doing deals for teams, leagues, and players in the $750 billion business of sports. Plus, we'll talk with a central figure in the sports world. The views expressed in this podcast are my own and do not represent the views of Reuters. Let's get started. Busy, busy month in sports. I'm, I'm, in, I'm in Boston, which is not relevant to today because we're talking about NBA, and it's uh, cold here, and it's cold for the Dodgers, who go west with a two-game deficit, but that is a huge event that normally takes center stage. But no, we're going to talk about the opening weekend of the or week of the NBA. Prolific numbers. The NBA is is blessed with some huge new dollars from gambling. They've got all but four of the teams solidified with patch jerseys. They're spanning the globe. They're doing a whole lot of good stuff in China. And Adam Silver should be commended. To, speaking of being uh, commended, we have our our uh, uh, Poobah uh, digital editor for Reuters, Amy Tenery. Poobah may be wrong, but that's a sign of respect. How are you? I will take it. Thank you. I'm doing great. Thanks for Good. having me. I guess Calaruso is the grand Poobah, and you are the Poobah in training. Exactly. I'll, I'll, I'll tell him that. <laughs> yeah, good. Please. Please go ahead and tell him that. So what is your, what kind of, what's your perception of the first week of the NBA beginning of the, the 2018-19 season? You know, it's it's interesting, the star power that LeBron James has. I was, I was kind of looking around at viewership, and I found this, uh, well, to me at least, really staggering statistic. Um, the Lakers opener, uh, it was an away game against the Blazers, was up 63% uh, over a comparable Lakers-Clippers matchup last year, according to Deadline News. Um, and that's remarkable on its own. It's even more remarkable uh, when you consider the fact that that same night, the Red Sox clinched the ALCS. So we had must-watch baseball happening, and yet LeBron going to L.A. was absolutely um, meteoric for ratings. He's a Saturn plant. He is Amazon when they move from place to place. So for all of the LeBron incredible stats back in La La Land, it brings us to Cleveland, who lost the Saturn plant, who lost Amazon in this context. And so, you know, the Lakers gain is the Cavaliers loss, but leads us to a pretty significant interview. Our buddy Len Komorowski, he was the Eagles VP, v, senior VP and COO of international uh, of, uh, of the Eagles, uh, International Hockey League, Cleveland Lumberjacks. He was involved with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Cum laude graduate of, of, of Duquesne University in 1982, but more important, he's the current CEO of the Cavaliers and the Quicken Loans Arena organization, the Lake Erie Monsters, the Cleveland Gladiators, the Canton Charge. So he's the guy, basically, that's driving the future of the basketball and other sports operations in northern Ohio post-LeBron. It's a mission. It's a passion. But he has some interesting perspective. Len Komorowski. With one of the rising superstars, but he's already risen. He's risen in a number of places. He's risen in Philadelphia, and now he continues to rise in Cleveland. Len Komorowski, CEO of the Cleveland Cavaliers. How's that for an intro? Oh, hey, Rick. Uh, always great to talk to you and, uh, you know, look forward to chatting here. Well, so a little bit of elevator speech on your career. You've certainly been diverse. You're one of those few guys positive in the industry that has used training in another sport 
to solidify your position in this sport and Eagles guy, other things before that. Talk a little bit about your career and how you ended up in Cleveland. Well, I would say, first of all, I've been a lifer in sports and uh, got the bug early. Uh, back to my native Pittsburgh, Duquesne University, started off with, you remember Edward, Edward J. DeBartolo Sr., um, and he had the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins and an indoor soccer team called the Spirit uh, and uh, started off there at the old Civic Arena in Pittsburgh, uh, which was a phenomenal place to be because he was in everything, you know, as you, as you look at it. Uh, and all the different sports, including the 49ers and the Pittsburgh Ballers, the USFL, and more, and operating the arena. Uh, but ultimately worked for the uh, Miller Brewing Company sports marketing arm, uh, which gave me a, a great entree into a number of different sports and working on the other side of the fence in terms of maximizing sponsorship deals and leveraging it to move product. And then part of the startup of the Minnesota Timberwolves, working with some terrific friends and Tim Laiwicki and uh, John Thomas, in the industry, which we had a, a great start there. And then um, really from there, uh, I guess the next significant move was uh, being part of the Philadelphia Eagles where, you know, playing a uh, leadership role uh, on the business side. And uh, we had the great opportunity to build the business team. Uh, we had one of the worst venue situations in sports and, and veteran stadium and no practice facility to speak of. And then out of that came the Novacare complex and Lincoln financial field and, and a lot of great things on the field as well. And then I guess as is uh, the case, I like to go somewhere where there's a lot of opportunity to go nowhere but up. And, you know, at that time, the Cavaliers had the worst record in the league, had uh, last in revenue, uh, last in attendance. So we had nowhere to go but up and made the move over with the Cavs. And, and we've just had a phenomenal run. Uh, with, we've got a great owner in Dan Gilbert who is uh, enables us to do reach for the stars. We've been one of the top revenue teams in our league of, been fortunate enough to have been uh, have a, a great run on the floor, and um, now in the middle of transforming our arena with a, a, a huge renovation that will keep it uh, state of the art competitive. Uh, while we're also in a number of different uh, sports, with we have a American Hockey League team, we have a G League franchise as well, and then we're also partners in the ticketing platform Access, along with AEG and TPG. Uh, and uh, also have a uh, – or in the eSports world with uh, our 2K franchise, NBA 2K franchise, and partners with uh, the League of Le- Legends um, franchise and group uh, 100 Thieves, which has all been also been a terrific experience too. So we've been very blessed uh, moving forward in a really positive direction and continue to grow. And with an owner like Dan, you never know what's next. I mean, right now we're working in partnership with – uh, the uh, uh, with the Fords and the, and also with the Pistons uh, relative to a potential MLS franchise for Detroit as well. So it doesn't take much for people who understand the business of sports on this show to realize your background is about as diverse as it gets. You hear that Glenn cuts across a number of sports, but a number of disciplines, whether it's management, sales, uh, corporate side. Uh, football, basketball, obviously now MLS opportunities as well. What do you think is the sustaining principle or principles that cut across all of these experiences and opportunities? Well, you know, I I would say, and I I get that question often, and there's so much more similarities than there are differences, uh, certainly on the field or on the ice or on the court. You know, there's the nuances and the substantive differences as far as play and uh, the league rules and the collective bargaining agreements. But as it relates to the business of sports, about, you know, the fan experience, which 
thankfully has become paramount in our industry. And so there's a laser focus on uh, creating unbelievable experiences, which is the way it should have always been. Uh, and uh, as we know, and you know, Rick, you know, it wasn't too long ago where it was all about winning. And, you know, unfortunately, uh, we're not all WWE where you can say, hey, we're going to win every game. Uh, but, you know, half, half the teams have to win, half to, have to lose. And uh, you try to create a sustainable platform there as well. But we can control creating am- amazing experiences. And so you've seen just a dramatic transformation in sports. You've seen a dramatic transformation in venues. In fact, that's what our the Quicken Loans Arena transformation is all about, is creating uh, incredible uh, public spaces and great experiences throughout the building with a building that's been functional you know, we've been fortunate to be 11th in terms of live entertainment activity in the U.S. via Polestar and 30, 32nd worldwide. But, um, you know, we've, we've been more functional than I would say uh, offering a premium uh, engagement experience. So that's been, been huge. And then certainly from a sales and marketing, branding, all those components, you know, they all apply. All those factors are, are across the board. You know, the digital space has exploded across the board. You know, each league has its own nuances. I think we're fortunate to be part of the NBA, which is truly a global league. When you look at the NBA and I would say the Premier League are probably the two most global leagues in the world right now in terms of their reach and popularity on a, on a strong basis throughout the, throughout the globe. And, uh, and that's, that's probably a, an X factor for our league that's been just amazing to watch and be part of. One of the things that Gillian Zucker and Peter Fagan and all of the people that we've interviewed who have the business responsibilities of NBA teams have been consistent with is that the partners in your organization day-to-day are not necessarily only your ownership partners, but the other partners around the league. As you said, you are one partner in a joint venture that basically is global, and are you – I guess I really know the answer to this question, but you're, you're far more compatible uh, and synergistic with your other teams in the NBA than you are competitive on the, on the court. On the court, obviously, you want to beat the heck out of each other. But, but best practices and sharing of issues and commonalities, talk about that for a minute. Well, I would say this, first of all, and having been – you know, I've, I've whether it be – in, interning in baseball, um, hockey with the Penguins, uh, football with the Eagles, obviously with uh, the Cavs, even exposure now with MLS. And these are all great leagues as you go across the board. But th- there is uh, the, the NBA in terms of the focus on the business of sports and their team business operations group, which I know you're well familiar with, is truly an X factor. I mean, the investment by our league to work with teams to become, you know, basically like a McKinsey of sorts, working with or across the teams, exchange of best practices, what's innovation that's applying in any industry that can be applied to the teams, visibility of information and data, readily accessible to all the teams. So like you said, there is so much collaboration going on throughout the entirety of our league uh, on what's the best way to, to, to build the business because ultimately, as you know, uh, when you look at it from a uh, ownership end too, you know asset value is a, a key component, and you're only as strong as a league as your weakest link. And the amazing part about it is now we have incredible businesses across the board in the NBA, and I credit that uh, largely to the Teambo Group in the NBA and how that group has continued to evolve 
and now is in every aspect of our business, including now on the arena operations side. So we've partnered with Disney uh, with a program called Elevate to elevate the arena experience as a whole, you know, with the best-in-class uh, experiential operator and apply those principles to the operation of our arenas. You know, so it's gone beyond just, you know, ticket sales and corporate sales and game presentation and marketing, but now into a lot of the fundamental aspects of the business uh, that go into the operational side of the house as well. So that's been uh, uh, just a hallmark of the league wherein, you know, other leagues, you know, there isn't that robust uh, resource to assist the teams, nor is there as much, much, I would almost say, visibility of information. So we we know what our partners are doing, and they know conversely with that, and it really aids in helping to uh, create visibility about how you can improve your game and ultimately which teams are doing it well that we can drill down further with and apply those principles, practices, and successes to what we're doing. You're tired of answering LeBron James' questions, but I'm going to pose it in a different context because I bet you I know where you're going to go with this one. And it was the same kind of comments we had from Mickey Harrison years ago when LeBron left and went to you guys again. You're much stronger on the business side than you were a few years ago. I assume the LeBron factor kind of helped get you there, but just like Tiger Woods in golf, I assume – that you're better now able to go through the valleys and build your team again on the court, understanding you have your business metrics down. Talk a bit about that. Well, I would say say this first of all. We were uh, incredibly blessed to have the best player in the world, you know, with LeBron. And, and not only that, I think the other part of it too, which is even sustained beyond here, is his continued impact in the community, what he's doing in Akron, and uh, which we know will just continue to happen and, and, and live on as well. Uh, we've had a, just an amazing run, especially these past four years. have uh, just been, been incredible in every facet of what we, we do. Uh, and and uh, as, as you said, Rick, you know, I think we're, we're um, embracing this next, uh, next stage in our, uh, our whole process here. We've got a, a, you know, a, a team with uh, Kobe Altman, our GM, has uh, assembled a uh, even over looking at last year, the number of uh, key key players that have come, come on board, uh, whether it be with the trades with uh, Larry Nance Jr. and Jordan Clarkson and and uh, Rodney Hood with the that that front to you know Jetty Osman and and then also looking at Kevin Love extending with with the team, you know so we feel uh, and then obviously an exciting young rookie and Colin Sexton and, and Ty Lu I know is excited about you know the opportunity to continue to mold this group. And as you said, from a business end, um, you know, I think the, the part of it that dovetails with that uh, nicely as well as our city, uh, Cleveland is going through an uh, uh, amazing, amazing renaissance right now. You've seen this trend with urban areas across the country, but in the Midwest where these industrial heritage cities like Cleveland and Pittsburgh and Detroit have just reinvented themselves and are now on fire. And we're seeing that uh, amazing uplift in our downtown, and uh, and certainly that that dovetails with, you know, that we have the transformation of our arena, which has uh, created a generated a lot of excitement um, about you know what's next as that process is going to continue through October of 19 before we're finally done with it. But right now there's a dramatic amount of construction and work going on in our arena, 
um, that will has shut the building down this summer and will for next summer as well. So, so uh, we're we're um, you know continuing to move forward, and uh, you know and really excited when you look at uh, what's going on not only with the building but you know with uh, continued efforts on the floor. Final question, Len Kamarowski, where is the NBA in general and the Cavaliers specifically 10 years from now? Well, I would say this. The NBA, uh, we have amazing leadership with Adam Silver. Adam, is, I would call, is truly an enlightened mind. And, uh, and when you look at it, just, just as it relates to any number of matters in sports right now, um, Adam has played a leadership role with our ownership, with our league as a whole, in positioning our, our league to be at the forefront of innovation in terms of what's next within the industry. And the thing that I, I would say right now, which is just absolutely remarkable, remarkable, is the explosion of international growth of our, uh, our sport, of our league, has just been mind-boggling. And the great part about it is now it's exponential as far as growth. When you have 300 million uh, people in China playing basketball, and our league is playing more of a leadership role, uh, opening NBA academies in, uh, in countries all over the world to help to bring and, and grow the talent base that's out there because, you know, right now over 20% of our players are international, but even help build on that. So we've truly become much more of a global league credit to David Stern, really pushing our league in that direction. It's really paid dividends. And, you know, the popularity of basketball, we're seeing a league that realized uh, double-digit, you know, it has realized ratings growth on a sustained basis and popularity growth. Digital numbers are through the roof. And uh, I, I, just, I just think our league is positioned, and you've seen this now in, in asset values as well, in transactions, is positioned to continue to evolve and grow on a significant basis. We have, we're fortunate to have tailwinds at this point with everything going on within our, our league, and, and I think the, the game is very accessible to just about anyone to play, and I think that we're going to continue to see that evolution happen both domestically and internationally. Um, and you have basically basketball and soccer are the two worldwide sports. And the thing about it is the NBA is undisputedly the number one league in the world as it relates to that, um, even, you know, the Premier League is, is a phenomenal league, but you have, you know, League One, La Liga, the Bundesliga, you have some great leagues there as well, where in the case of the NBA, you know, the NBA is, is, is the worldwide uh, league and brand for, for basketball. Ladies and gentlemen, the guy talks about tailwind, but don't forget the tailwind created by top-flight executives like Len Komarowski. Rick Harrell, speak with you soon. More than 30 years of experience in pro sports and entertainment, his leadership has helped set a solid business foundation for all of these teams. But life without LeBron is pretty significant, but you wouldn't know it hearing from him. Amy, what's your perspective on all this? You know, it was interesting to hear him talk about um, fan experience. I know that's a, a topic that we've discussed at length, but I had always, and not to sell out my generation here, but I had always sort of assumed that the big issue with uh, fan engagement was trying to um, get a generation of people who were raised on smartphones uh, to actually pay attention to the game. Uh, and it was interesting to hear him talk about it less in those terms and more in terms of insurance. Uh, I think 
the, the, the phrase he, he used was, it's the one thing we can control. You know, we can't control whether or not the team plays well or performs well or whether they have a, a winning record, but we can control whether or not people have fun when they're physically in the stadium. I don't think that the coaches and the players would really appreciate that sentiment very much, but I thought it was an interesting perspective. Uh, and as you said, especially now that LeBron is, is out of the picture and the Cavaliers are um, uh, <laughs> much worse off for it. There have been some really terrible teams in the NBA before, but not from the heights that LeBron had created or the expectations that he created. And now we're in a situation where it's entirely different. It is interesting to hear how people have to deal with life without a superstar, because let's remember, that's how the other two thirds of every sports league lives. So Len's perspective is really valuable in that context. But you've got another perception as well. Yeah. You know, another thing that... Uh, Certainly, he has he has worked really hard. I think to uh, divorce, if you will, the world of on court play and the world the the business side of of this team, and um, he has to. I think in a certain sense, you can't get too emotional about a player leaving. You have to keep moving forward. Um, and a thing that I thought was personally very interesting and impressive was the work that he's done into staying in tune with the comings and goings of the Cleveland business world, whether it's real estate developments or retail developments. He's so plugged into everything that's happening in that city. And I think that that's what is going to help carry them through what is looks to be a, a significant rough patch for this franchise. Let me tell you why that's important. It's really good that you mention it. It's because there have been a lot of discussion in the Cleveland Business Journal and other places that basically, as goes LeBron, so goes the pace of downtown development. He's that important. Well, that's not necessarily the case. He leaves. He goes to L.A. You've still got the Quicken Loans Arena. You've still got the flats. You've got the casino that's being done. A lot of this axis is Dan Gilbert, the owner, as well as some other people who are involved in the organization and Len's ability to spearhead the continuing effort. So I guess it's another case of you got to protect yourself because superstars are important but they don't necessarily drive the fans inside the arena. And they also don't necessarily drive the fans outside the arena too, from a development perspective and Len Komarowski leading the way next week. We've got some interesting perspective from an entrepreneurial world and a new announcement. And then after that, we've got some NBA folks, NHL, NFL to follow. Rick Harrow, speak with you next time. Thanks for listening to this edition of keeping score. Our producer, Alex Cohen, associate producer, Freddie Joyner, Assistance provided by Carlos Waddick, Tanner Simpkins, Jesse Leeds, and Jamie Swimmer. And the executive editor of Reuters Digital, Dan Calaruso. I'm Ricardo. Thanks again for listening. See you next time on Keeping Score.